Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. It's Sebastian, Grace, guys. Uh, we had a cold weekend last weekend. Holy moly, man. I think that that could potentially be one of the coldest games I've been a part of in a while. Funny part, is, funny part is I talked to Kyle. I talked to Coach Kyle, like... Two days later, and he was like, "Yeah, that would have been perfect for me." Yeah, of course. He's so, like, "Oh, I'd have been out here in shorts and coaching fourteen in fourteen degree weather with wind." Like the the it was it felt like fourteen with the wind. It was not fun, not exciting. Um, but our players, I thought, did well. Yeah, I mean, like the wind factor. I remember the uh, opposition took a corner kick um, from across the field, and it didn't even go into the eighteen. It just got kind of like hung up in the air. Yeah. Um, no, you, no good. I was like, that gives you an idea of how much wind you were facing. Like, there really wasn't any coaching going on because we were coaching against the wind. Yeah, it was tough. Um, but ultimately, our 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 girls did really well in the at the Penn Fusion uh, Girl Showcase. Um, we got a lot of college looks. College coaches came and talked to us, uh, which is good. It's fun. Um, and then on top of that, we. Um, you got a result on Monday. Good result. Got a result on Monday. Hard fought result. Um, some good play. I mean, we played well the whole weekend. I might yeah. not have gotten the results Friday or was it Saturday, Sunday? Saturday, Sunday. I'm used to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, didn't get the results Saturday, Sunday, but it, we didn't play bad. We were we were very consistent throughout the weekend. We continued to improve on mistakes that we made. I think it just kind of built up to getting the result on Monday, where we played pretty phenomenal. Did what we need to do. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you know, on Monday I had, I was at the field house, uh, for the president's day turf cup or turf tournament. Um, and that was good. Uh, got to, obviously the 08 girls were there. The 20, the 09s were there, 2011s and 2013s. Um, so I got to coach, I got to, got to be a part of all of them. I got to, I got to obviously coach the 08s. I got to be, I got to watch and coach the, or help coach the 09s, got to help coach and watch the, the 2011s, and I got to coach the 2013s, which was a ton of fun. Um, they still undefeated? They, they are not undefeated, unfortunately. Oh, man. Um, but, but they played some good teams. I think when we go in and play 7v7 against Baltimore Union um, and, and ultimately do well against Baltimore Union and potentially – at times we're the better team and just hit the post a bunch of times and, and all kinds of crazy things that, that only really, I mean, I guess they don't always stop. They, they happen in other ages, but things that, that normally like it was a three, one game, which was a really close game for 77. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tight. Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes it ends up being like seven, nothing or seven, two. No, it, was, or... it was good. It was, it was good. It was good for, for them to play. A lot of the new players hadn't gotten to play yet. So this was a good opportunity for the new players to play and, and get a chance to do that, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, over, overall, I was, you know, very excited with with how everybody did. Um, I thought there was good moments for everybody. Um, and now looking forward to the to the spring. Yeah. yeah you had another game on uh, Wednesday, right? Listen, man, it's one of those things where my team left the field feeling like – we we had played the best game we had played in a while. Um, Absolutely, we felt like for about you know fifty five minutes, 
we were not worried defensively a whole lot uh, out of the 70. Um, so it felt super confident. We, we attacked hard for 15 minutes and we just defended for our lives well, for the last 55 the, the minutes. Key, and I think that's the key, right? Ultimately, at, at one point, you know, we talked to the girls. Um, the We attempted to ultimately play at the same speed as the boys for the first 15 minutes. And I thought that was and we once we adjusted to that and kind of slowed down a little bit more it made it it made it easier for us um so it was it was a fun game it was a fun uh, game it was absolutely fun um and think, kind of scoring opportunities yeah i mean if you guys thought you played well i know we definitely took a step up and played well cuz i challenged them i said hey these are like the tournament teams that we play with the speed and the ideology and those types of things so let's see let's see the growth from fall to preparing for the spring to be able to well i thought we did good you know combining to attack to go forward at moments yeah. uh still have to fine-tune some things tactically positionally movement off the ball those little things that you always have to refine but it will be okay i think i think us scrimmaging against each other multiple times in the spring will help both parties out yeah for sure um so today we're going to uh listen to an interview we did with stacy wilson which was an awesome interview. Yeah. Um, shout out to Luis. Yeah, shout out to Luis for, for hooking us up with that. But So Stacy Wilson, uh, UNC Chapel Hill national champion. I don't, you just have to say UNC Tar Hill women's soccer player. Yeah. The national well, champion just kind of like. Kind of it's assumed almost, right? It's assumed, um, right? I think she was, what, three times? Yeah. Um, also played in the Olympics, played in the 96 Olympics. Um, and not only played in the 96 Olympics, won gold at the 96 Olympics. So that kind of has to flow too, right? Yep. Think of like U.S. women's soccer. Uh, and now it's just, now it's just, just, you know, coaching and, and working on the idea of strength and conditioning, uh, speed and agility and, and the importance of that in, in girls soccer. Uh, so, uh, her interview is really, really cool. Uh, she's intense. Uh, yeah. she's super intense. I think at one point, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you challenge her for a race to a race. Uh, yeah. and she, and she doesn't back down from it. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> I mean, when you see Stacy Wilson and like, she is still like fit and looks like she can go out and play 90 minutes right now. Like yeah. you say, Hey, I need a player. She's hopping in and giving you her all for 90 minutes. She's fierce. She's a competitor. Yeah, I got to watch her session after the interview. Um, plyometrics, right? Plyometrics, and just the way, the way she just—it's just like her demeanor. It's just like fierce, competitive. Like she wants it all out all the time. Like she got like ten people from the crowd, and she's like critiquing them on their footwork to make them better, even though they're all coaches trying to take it back to their players, right? Like, yeah, this fine-tuned, well-oiled machine. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. So yeah, so we'll listen to that now. All right. Uh, well, so I think we need to thank Luis for this one, but uh, Luis brought us a guest over. Uh, so we have Stacy Wilson with us. She is the founder for of Fit for Her Football and also a former uh, UNC Tar Heel, mm-hmm. a former Olympian. 
mm -hmm. and just all around amazing person. How are you? Do we, right. we forget any accolades? Thank you so much. Huh? Do we forget any accolades? I, I'm sure we did. <laughs> is there anything else? Because that 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 biography is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. I enjoy coaching now, though. So I mean, um, enjoy playing. But now I'm certified strength and conditioning coach. I got a little certification in Pilates and yoga. So it's kind of putting everything together. I really enjoyed the fitness aspect as a player. I was that one that was in the gym, you know, an hour longer than the other girls. I'm looking at girls twice my size, like, what are you doing with those little weights? <laughs> so I just enjoyed it. So I think fitness can be fun if you do it right. And so that's all that I try to share with the kids that I coach. It's mostly kids, um, but some women as well. And then I do a little grassroots. I've gone overseas with like sports diplomacy for the U.S. State Department. And that, I mean, in many ways, that's where my heart's at. I really enjoy uh, doing that grassroots. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about let's talk about um, fitness and youth athletes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's something that at times uh, does get overlooked. Mm. It, sometimes it's just parents just saying go to the gym. Mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, the high school team that I coach, we uh, we started our preseason workouts uh, last week with our athletic trainer and our assistant coach. They're running it, and one of the things we talked about with our athletic trainer was the lack of coordination mm -hmm. in our players as soon as we we got into even just the simplest things. Mm -hmm. um, so where where does it start and how does it start? Mm. Fitness for youth athletes or fitness for youth in general. Uh, well, for youth in general, I mean, it's, it can start anywhere. I mean, really, you have that whole soccer starts at home. It, I mean, it really starts at the youngest ages. Um, but from from a coaching perspective, uh, I would say you're trying to get the younger ones constantly moving. That in itself is fitness. The It's just keeping them moving, having them do a variety of things. It's not really a science at that point. Um, it's just really being more aware, right? Um, aware of functional movements and what they need to do. So throwing in, like I just did a session and say we have activations that we did for older kids. Well, we had a way of just making it really subtle and doing it for younger kids. So like say something like a blue bridge or um, a kneeling side knee lift, those type of things. Well, that's a very structured way of doing an exercise and you can do the hit the same muscle groups in a fun way by doing a crab walk or a duck walk. So it's not that you're not doing any fitness at all, it's just you're totally disguising it, making it fun and making sure that it's um, it, it translates to functional movement, locomotor skills that they need. Now, beyond that, I mean, really, they, they need it. I work with kids that are, you know, U12s, and a lot of them are a year or two um, under that. And I've done SAQ stuff, uh, you know, whether it be hurdle work, A skips, etc. And I found that when I added that in early, it, it, it has offset uh, coordination deficits. And I think you hit it properly. A lot of people, they think fitness for soccer, and they think, okay, just go, they just want to hit the endurance system. And even with the youth, like they want to hit it incorrectly, you know, because they're going and thinking these anaerobic exercises that do uh, work with older players, you know, deepening your fitness base, that they're appropriate for younger players. And it, it just isn't, right? It's a lack of understanding of where the kids are in their development. 
um, you know, say in the example of their anaerobic systems, don't develop until around puberty and after. So really doing aerobic work and doing coordination work because we're saying you don't need, a lot of times in a game, motor patterns break down when people are inefficient. You know, so the inefficiency is what kind of leads to these little energy leaks from incorrect movement or, um, you know, over tension in the muscles, you know, tight at the wrong places at the wrong times, or you're using compens compensatory patterns. So that type of thing, those are where coordination is huge. Coordination is a sequencing of your muscles. Uh, they did a study with females, um, and a lot of times you get knee injuries from from uh, from and it's it's thought say a lack of the strength in the hips. So they did something. They had them land on the single leg quite a few times, and what they found was that what fatigued was not the strength of the the, the activation, but it was the timing of it. Now it was firing late. So again, your neuromuscular control is a part of your coordination, and that's what the kids need to do. Like we were saying, their bodies are constantly growing, so they're constantly having to readjust and learn. And if you can keep that, that has to be a fundamental part. Um, you can go ahead and learn, and you know this with soccer, the best time to, to pick up on some uh, skills are when they're young, so they can learn it, do it right. Well, the same thing with movement. But again, um, you can learn it wrong, and then you have to end up correcting it later on, because the way that they uh, develop power, you know, their, 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 their limbs are off, let's say, their angles are off. So that's what a lot of coordination is, is understanding the right angles that go into the movement. Um, yeah. So, so what, I, what I find really interesting is that what you said, there's a, there's a wrong way to learn things, and I think that's, that's, that's a key, right? We, um, we do a lot with the FIFA, uh, FIFA 11 Plus. Yes. We, we do a lot mm -hmm. with that, and, and we, we teach that to our players, but mm -hmm. one of the things is understanding how to do it correctly. Right, right. right. Um, and then the other part of it is how does that play into players that only play one sport or players that play multiple sports, right? So mm -hmm. we, the research is there that multiple mm -hmm. sports helps you develop different different, ideas, different muscles and movement mm -hmm. and things like that. So how does fitness play into that, right? So mm -hmm. and you're, you're doing a session on Saturday, I believe, about mm -hmm. yoga, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. how, does, how does yoga, for example, play into the soccer world? Okay, well, uh, that's an interesting question. Okay, will yoga play into the soccer world? I mean, yoga is a little bit, it's, it's multiple ways with that. Um, because really, once you get to the higher levels, there's a psychological component. And if you can't figure out how to not be, what do they say, uh, um, worrying about what happened or anxious about the future, you know, that's where being in the moment really helps. And that's what yoga a lot of times does have the mental component of you have to meditate, you have to focus, you have to be in touch with your body. Um, now, yoga also uh, is kind of the foundation of what I found to be a lot of your corrective positions, right? So you're doing soccer and you end up overusing muscles, things get tight and things get off whack. Well, a lot of your warrior positions and 
variations of them end up being corrective exercises. So typically your low back's going to get tight, your hips are, are, are going to get tight. Um, so they, they're big on hip openers. Um, I believe in uh, uh, learning a good old-fashioned sun salutation, understanding the breathing. That pretty much hits everything. I just did a presentation and one of the upper body mobility things that is textbook recommended are inchworms. Well, that's basically you doing, you know, that's a part of a, a sun salutation. So yoga um, from the movement and the psychological aspect, yeah. So I think two things. One. The, one of the people that um, I used to work with at a summer camp, he might have been the most fit person I've ever like seen. And I asked him, I was like, oh my god, like what do you what do you do? And he goes, nothing. I do yoga. Like that's what mm -hmm. I. And like we're talking six pack and everything else. Yoga, yoga and teeth. That's all you do. Um, so that was one thing. But the second thing is, so um, you you hit on you hit on something that that is really interesting. Can you can you go deeper into the idea of mind and fitness working together, right? And mm -hmm. and you played at a very high level. You mm -hmm. played at an extremely competitive environment, which is known, which UNC is known to be an extremely competitive environment. Mm -hmm. Where does the fitness and the mind kind of play all in together? Mm. Well, the mind and fitness, I mean, I guess you could say, uh, uh, you mentioned UNC and the coach here used to have a saying, you know, confidence is a gift you give yourself. You know, it's, it's something you have to, you know, I can't be waiting for him to tell me I did great. I got to know what I did. And that's where I think, um, you know, a lot of it is taking the noise out. I kind of feel bad for players of today because we didn't have Twitter and all that stuff back then. And honestly, I don't think I would have looked at it because I would have been like, you know, that's a little bit of BS. I don't need to, you know, I, I found it really weird. And now it's normal, but when... Twitter first came out, teams were getting, I think players were after games posting, you know, sayings about the game and this and that. And I just felt like, you know what, you're too worried about what the world thinks and you're not centered on yourself. So that's that's a big part of it, I think, is um, people having, um, people just being focused on what they have. Now, what can make you a little more confident, and some people don't realize, fitness is not magic, it's not genetics. It's something that, like we talked about earlier, there are little components of it that you can break down. But if you've never had a coach that's worked with you and taught you that, then you're not gonna feel in control of it, right? So once I know, like say for me, I find myself, if I have find a physical deficiency that I have, I'm excited. Because now I'm like, oh shit, when I correct this, I'm gonna be that much better. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm like, oh, look what I can't do. Uh, I, you know, and then if you, now look what I can do. So that's where it's I'm breaking out the noise. I'm not embarrassed about anything. I'm, I'm going ahead and I'm attacking it because I'm, and now once I've gone and gotten that, Everything I do, I'm getting better and I'm getting more confident, right? Your fitness is, I, I, you know, obviously your decision making and stuff like that, your team tactics, but individually, your ability to carry out and execute comes in your, whether or not you know you're fit. I know I can react and respond to whatever that opponent does, uh, you know, your quickness, your reaction, your movement, your anticipation of what they do. So yeah, it, it, it's, all, it's all a mental game if you're gonna be the best. Well, it's it's interesting you brought up about the, the idea of the, that inner challenge of I can't do it, so I'm gonna go figure out a way to, to do it, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's almost and we had a, we had a guest earlier today who talked about having having the, the mentality at times of a six year old when it comes to playing, right? Mm -hmm. 
six-year-olds and, and little kids just want to do it because it's fun, right? They don't care how many times it takes to do it. They just, they just go out and do it, right? And I, and I look at my daughter, for example, and she'll watch TV and, uh, and, and we'll watch different sports and different things and she'll go, oh, I'm going to figure out how to do that. I'm like, great, fantastic. Mm -hmm. like, and I love having that mentality because me as somebody that's a little bit older than her, well, a lot older than her, I look at some of the things that I watch on TV and I'm like, oh man, I think my time to do that is gone. But now <laughs> but hanging out with her, it's like, there is that like, well, maybe not really, right? So, um, well, no, she sounds like I have. I'd say one of the best compliments I ever got from a, a coach, you know, who's at a multi-sports complex. And he was like, you know, I work with you. I tell you to make a change, and you do it exactly. I say, lower the shoulder or do that. You do it exactly. He's like, so many athletes cannot do that, you know. So it really does come from a ton of, I guess you could say, deliberate practice. And when you have that ability, that um, kinesthetic awareness, yeah, you can take off. So it sounds like that's what your daughter is. Yeah. She's got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's go. Um, can, can we talk about, and you brought up social media, and mm -hmm. I think social media has played a part into this, in, the, in this generation of, of, of young athletes, and it's, and it's nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, at times it's more about how I look and, and, mm -hmm. and what the world thinks of me, as you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. How does nutrition and, uh, and the importance of nutrition play into A, fitness, but also being able to actually compete, physically mm -hmm. compete? And where do you think um, we need to do a better job from a youth coaching perspective when mm -hmm. it comes to nutrition? Um, well, that's a great question um, because, yeah, it's obviously for a lot of teams, it's like the, the missing link. You know, it's, it's a competitive advantage that you can have if you know how to use it. So nutrition, um, I'd say most people, they... With the players, what I emphasize really is post-game nutrition. I think that it's it's kind of counterintuitive, you know, like that what I eat after the game is going to affect the next game. You think just what I eat right before the game. So that's why, of course, we're going to hit on pre-game meals and that type of stuff. And, um, however, if they have a poor game, what they have beforehand is what they're first going to look at. Now, though, if, if I can look and see, you know, there was nothing in the tank period or, or they're, they're at, a lot of times it's that post-game nutrition, right? So you, your body only has a certain amount of time to, to refuel and to, to maximize um, its ability to take in the carbs and the protein. Right? Carbs and protein are what you want right after a game. Right? That's why Gatorade changed their formula because they were selling just a carb drink and they're like, you know, we got to get with the science. So, um, nutrition, I say most coaches could go ahead and do a better job at emphasizing a post practice snack. Have it here, I want to see it. That's an easy thing to do. Um, emphasizing water throughout the day. I live in Florida, so we have to. You know, it's, it's, it's too costly if we don't. Um, uh, coaches as well, you know, a big thing. I'm a female athlete, and so I'm super aware of it. Like you said, there's that social pressure. And I'd say that 
guys don't have it as much, although they are terribly misinformed by fad diets and things um, to where they don't feel properly. Uh, but but girls have it pretty bad, especially the high-level girls. The body image that's being um, put on them, the, the misinformation, like carbs are one of your best friends if you're an athlete, eating the right kind of carbs, and you have a lot of females that get afraid of it, or you know they, they don't realize protein, right? Um, protein is not going to make you like big like a bodybuilder or something like that. And really, even fat, the importance of healthy fats. You know, back in my day, it was like, you know, that fat-free diet was, was you know, fat-free foods came out. And then, you know, so you think, oh, well, low fat's good, no fat's good. No, it's not. So we need to really educate them on the importance of nutrition. And I'd say the old school food pyramid, get that out. Maybe try to try to have, a, just teach them what a carb is, what a protein is, what a fat is. Give them a couple of good examples. Um, whenever I go to a tournament with our team. In fact, we went to a tournament um, this year and our girl, girls that I've had for a few, they were ready for the nutrition talk. <laughs> you know, and I said, what am I gonna eat? Like, Cause I, I feel like that's an ideal time to hit parents and the kids because that's where, you know, it's the most relevant. You're spending the most this control. money for a tournament. Yeah, and we, they can see it. Yeah, you, and yeah, if you're away, you have control. Um, so tournament time is an is a ideal time to, to hit on the nutrition. And then they kind of keep it for outside of the tournament. Yeah, because I think um, that like a lot of times, you know, parents are getting off work, running their kids to practice, so Chick-fil-A is so easy to get to, or mm -hmm. McDonald's is so quick and it's so simple. And then their kids are like throwing up in the middle of practice and their stomach hurts because mm -hmm. they just ate this, they just housed a Chick-fil-A sandwich and fries and mm -hmm. lemonade and all that stuff. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, go to, go to Subway, go to a Wawa, <laughs> Publix down in Florida, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. get to get Publix subs. There you go. I don't know mm -hmm. if you have Wawa where you guys are. Oh, I know yeah, Wawa's I got one right down the corner. There mm -hmm. you go. But yeah, I think that's important too, is just to, yeah. the importance of eating the turkey sub or PB&J sandwich. Like it doesn't have to be your full dinner, but mm -hmm. it fills you up to get you through that training session or fills you up before that high school game or something like that. So I know that was a big problem in my career was I didn't like school runs, so I wouldn't eat before high school games. And right. I'm cramping up in games and uh -huh. nutrition's probably a main part of it, the reason why. Yeah, yeah. I would say the the coaches. Yeah, getting down, teaching players once they have the basics, teaching them the timing, three hours before, having your little top off snack before the game in case you know what I mean. Like maybe I misjudged. I'm a little hungry. That's why I have the power bar. Then that power bar can serve as my halftime snack. If I'm playing a 45 minute game and I warmed up for a half an hour. Yeah, around that time, especially if it's in the heat, you're gonna need. That's when you do need the snacks. So. Um, yeah, and I would say it's just having age appropriate and knowing how to throw it in there because they do want to learn. Um, one of my first lessons was from a basketball coach when we were teaching at the same school. She told the kids, you know, look, you ain't got to eat perfect, but how about no fried foods, no candy, no soda? You know, can you do that? For Okay, that's pretty good, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, if, if, if any of your listeners are familiar with or, um, or want to learn more about how to integrate nutrition into a curriculum, U.S. Soccer Foundation are like the masters at it. So, you know, I'm one of their national trainers, and so kind of going from doing that, I've incorporated it in, they're more of a grassroots and trying to target obesity, but the same lessons that they have, you need to integrate into your competitive program.
Where does where does the parent fit into the idea of nutrition and fitness? Like the parent and family support system. It's, it's a topic that we, we bring up a lot because we talk a lot about coaching education and about how coaches can affect the players. But we at times, and, and, and I think as coaches, we at times do this, is we forget that the parent and the families are the ones that spend the majority of the time with the, with the players. So where, where do the parent and the families fit into this entire equation mm -hmm. that is the player? Well, I mean, it, uh, again, each team is different. Some teams' parents are really engaged. Some you're, you're going to have a little bit less luck. They might just be too busy with life. Um, but for the most part, I would say, you know, people these days understand you should be having a parent meeting at the beginning of the year, and that's a time where you can get your philosophy in there, and that's a time where it's ideal to bring up the nutrition. Um, so I think that parents do want to know that you're thinking about more than just the playing, and you're thinking about their kids' well-being. So trying to get them in on that level, and like I said, the tournaments is another time where they're all ears. Um, if you're noticing, you know, sometimes I might notice, I do notice a kid, uh, a couple of kids of mine, you know, I, I, I don't make it a, a habit for everyone, but if I have a couple of kids I know, they, they are constantly famished, and their family has other stuff going on, they're not going to bring them a snack, I bring extra snacks. Or what is really cool is that because I've emphasized nutrition with other parents, they notice the same things, they have the snacks ready for that kid, and I don't have to. So it, it really becomes like a team community when everybody's on board, especially like if you go to a tournament, you know, and then maybe people don't want to run to a restaurant, then everybody's on board. Look, we got to get these subs or whatever, or we don't have time to be leaving the field. Let's get a team cooler, you know, and have it. So yeah, the parents are the key, getting the buy-in. Shout out to Vincent uh, Gansberg with the uh, snack parent earlier. That's, yeah, yeah, you're talking about having a director of snacks. Director, director of snacks. snacks, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, um, this is this has been amazing. This, no, has this been is awesome. awesome. Uh, definitely some high level stuff. I, I love the I love what you said at the beginning. Last one in the gym, always in the gym, right? And it doesn't have to be the gym. You know, it could be the soccer field, but. Mm -hmm. That's that mentality where, you know, you just want more, right? You always want more. And I think that, that I mean, I was born in 1995, so I didn't have a lot of time to watch your career. Oh, dang. I know, right? I, I don't mean to throw the age card out there, Woo. but I think that's what transpired you to where you were on that, you know, 96 Olympic team is that, you know, it's that grit and that grind that pushes you to be better than the rest. Yeah. If we could get our kids to, yeah. It's, it's so many different distractions and things they worry about. If we could just get them focused, that's the, uh, Yeah, the know, social the, media. <laughs> yeah. Get off of TikTok before practice. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have TikTok yet, unfortunately. I'm <laughs> certain I'll break down one day, but as long as I can, I'm, I'm resisting out, I'm it. I'm holding out on TikTok as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, to me, social media is it's a, a necessary evil, <laughs> you know? Uh, you kind of have to dabble in it for business, but... Uh, so that's our next question. Is there anywhere we can find you on social media? Ah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I just did a presentation here today, and I'm doing one tomorrow. Today's is on physical development for youth. Tomorrow's going to be on plyometrics. And on my website, which is www.stacysoccer.com, I have a full PDF, like a, a supplement that goes along with the field session. So the idea is that it gives a template so that coaches can, um, you know, adjust it to their ideas because there is no one way, you know, it's, it's 
what fits your players, your coaching environment. Um, and also it could be useful if, if a couple of coaches need to go back and teach other coaches. We have some DOCs here. So yeah, on StacySoccer.com you can, can find um, some decent information and more about what services I offer. Um, social media, I'm on Twitter, Stacy N. Wilson. I'm on Instagram, Stacy Wilson. So yeah, check check it out, please. Yeah, absolutely. And then before you go, can you name your three favorite soccer players oh, wow. of all time. Of all time, that's a really hard question. Um, however, I might even have four though. Now that you mention it, you put four in. You can put four in you there. You can put four in there. All right, because I gotta go two male, two female. When I was younger, it was. Uh, you know, I'm, I mean, Pele. I'm sorry, that like somebody gave me a Pele book that changed my life. I was practicing bicycle kicks, hurting myself in the second living time room. Been named today. <laughs> Absolutely, I love the practicing bicycle kicks. Yeah, yeah, walking funny, hurting my back. You know, um, Pele and then Maradona. You know, our, our coach gave everybody. Um, nicknames when they were little uh, on the team and I was Maradona. I think this guy has like an Argentina flag in the background uh, somewhere uh, because yeah. he's from Argentina. I'm from Argentina, so you're, you're, you're I'm, oh, okay. good. Pele and Maradona and then on the female side I would say I actually played with a really amazing player one of the best players I, I've ever played with uh, was named Hege Rise and she's over in Norway. I feel like she's coaching for some national team right now. Um, but it was like, I'm a defender. Uh, I have an option on the outside. She's marked. I got Hege. Hege's got like about three people. I think she can do it though. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving the her the ball. She has more likely chance to get out of this than putting it over there. She was just like um, from Norway and just really sweet and, and um, she just made me calm on the field, you know, like. And, and that, that was your calming voice, right? Yeah. Just give me yeah. the ball. I'll take care of you. Hege, and then I'd say probably the first female player ever, because you know when you play, you're a little bit. You got to be arrogant. And, you know, you're the best. So I was never a fan of somebody else um, until later on. And I'd say first person, Marta. Marta. Yeah, she's a baller. Marta was the truth when she came out. Yeah. So, yeah. Marta is yeah. a baller. Mm -hmm. Shots to the Orlando Pride. <laughs> right. There you go. Still bowling too, right? Yeah. She's still bowling. Oh, yeah, she's still she was going. just like. She damn. actually was just named in the FIFA the on the best starting eleven for the women's side. Still bowling. The women's side, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they said she's won more more. Um, what is it? The the player of the year. Then then she she's the most decorated. Not Messi or no, Ronaldo no, or those guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Her not red lipstick. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Marta, Marta, man, this is that's. Yeah. That's a baller right there. That's a baller right there. I will, I won't, I will watch any Marta game. She's uh -huh. in. Yeah. Uh, ever. Oh yeah. She's yeah. Uh, well, Stacy, thanks so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on. No, thanks so much. Thank you. Pleasure's mine. No, absolutely. Thank you again. <laughs> All right, Dwayne. Um. I think we live it's funny I feel like if we go back and I think we 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 recorded an inter we recorded an episode probably a year ago or a year and a half ago um with Mike Mike B uh from UD and we were talking about the that like we live in a really cool in a really cool age where documentaries are like coming out left and right about mm -hmm. soccer and like diving deeper into it um so I wanted to kind of recommend 
uh, two documentaries that I watched or one that I'm in the process of finishing and then the other one that I that I watched. Uh, so uh, Simeone has a, uh, a six-part documentary or six-part series in on Amazon um, that dives in into him as a player, then transition as a coach, and also at the same time, like I say, they do a flash-forward, flashback thing, um, the 2020-2021 season where he wins La Liga. Okay. Uh, with Atletico Madrid. It is fantastic. Um, I, even though I 100% don't fully agree with his style of play, <laughs> um, all the time, um, I think the concepts and the things in him as a coach, his style of coaching, I can really get behind. Um, and it, I thought it was really, really cool. I think in comparison to, um, the ones that they've done, the all or nothing ones. Yeah, with like Man City and Tottenham. Yeah, and Tottenham, where they do a more of a deeper dive into like the games and you're rewatching a lot of games that you've already watched and stuff like that. This was really this was really more of a personal thing. Um and I thought I thought that was really cool because I got to learn a lot. Um Does he wear the same tie every day? No, but he does talk about the fact that he only wears black suits for games though. Is it the same black suit as he's no, no, he's got, a black suit. Full, he's got a closet full of them. He's got a closet full of them. But there's certain things that are really cool. And then the other one uh, just came out yesterday, and I already watched the first episode and a half. Uh, uh, um, that's what happens when you cancel a practice because of because of bad weather. Um, you get extra time, so you got to watch soccer stuff. Um, yeah, or you do a Zoom session with your team. Or you do a Zoom session. <laughs> but I, I haven't – I haven't. you know, we, we've been off for a couple weeks, so it's all right. Um so I watched this. Uh, it started on HBO Max uh, last night. Um, first five episodes are out. I don't know if there's more or not. I haven't figured that out yet. But it's on uh, Carlos Bilardo, who is the Argentinian national team coach from the 1986 World Cup. Okay. Hand of God. Yep. Um, is that part of his tactics? <laughs> you. I mean, I'm not saying that's part of his tactics, but, like, there's a lot. There's So – just to kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at here. And the first and this relates, these two documentaries kind of relate to each other. First minute of the first episode. It's Simeone talking about when he had him in like 1992 or 93 or something like that, after the 1990 World Cup, when Simeone was starting to break into the national team. Mm-hmm. Bilardo brings him in for a session. So he steps into the locker room and he goes, You're not dressed. You're you're wearing jeans and stuff. Like well, I'm I'm the only one here. He's like, all right. Well, we're going to go. We're going in the field, anyways. Let Let's go. So him one on one in the field, and he goes Simeone goes. All right, you're the ten. Imagine behind you are the six and the two center backs. Um. Imagine I play a ball here. Where's your movement? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, there's nobody else here. He's like, no, no, no. Imagine there's a, there's there's ten other players on your team. So he has him running around in jeans by himself, chasing an imaginary ball. Trying to figure out his movements. Trying to figure out his movements because he's planning his movements for when in the game. He he's knows what jeans. He, he so that way he knows what to do when in the game. Interesting concept. 
um one other little story and then everyone else has the ability to go and watch it or hopefully watch it if not i don't know uh let me know i'll get you the password i guess i don't, I don't know get but, you the password um but the so his first practice with the argentina national team in 1983 he takes over after the 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 somewhat of a debacle of the 1982 world cup was for argentina when they didn't get out of the group stage takes over takes over brings in Every all the new players except for five players. Five players returned from the '82 World Cup squad. First two hours, all they did was walk around the field, and he talked about set pieces in every single part of the field. And not only that, offensive throw-ins and defensive throw-ins for two hours, walking around the field, saying, "When this happens, then you're going to do this, and when we take a throw-in here, you're going to move here, and you're going to move here." So I called my dad, right? Because my dad was was watching soccer, was went to a lot of games and a lot of stuff right around that time. This is before right. I was born. And and I go like, and I go, this guy's crazy. Like that's what he did. And he goes, he goes, you know what's crazy? He goes in 1986 in the World Cup, three years three years after, everything he said was he planned for came true. Like everything he prepared and walked those players through, mm-hmm. every single after. situation happened in the World Cup, and they were able to like kind of figure it out. So, so it's a really interesting concept. Uh, talk about like the idea of like video review and stuff like that. This guy, this guy has was doing videos in 1983. Yeah, like bringing players into a hotel room after a four-hour training session for two hours to sit all in a hotel room to watch a game because all they were wanting to watch was one player for one specific team, so that way in case he encountered him in the World Cup. They knew what his movements were. It's interesting, yeah. And he's like, what, 20, 20 years ahead of his time almost? Yeah. Talk about like three five two already. Playing with a three five two. talking about like wingbacks. Yeah, three five twos, man. Interesting, interesting concept. Yeah. So anyways, so those are documentaries that, that I think people should go and watch. Um I, I though I I'm enjoying them a lot. I'm learning a lot. Um, so it's it's really exciting, and it also it leads up right into my B course next week. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited for that. So, all right. Um, moving on to the Champions League. Uh, great second half of the first leg of uh, round of sixteen. Yep. Um, Chelsea beating Lille. Americans. <laughs> huh. Americans, man. Yeah. Uh, Villarreal Juve, I thought was a fun game. Other than the fact that we just lost our best player. Yeah, that was not great. Um, so Weston McKinney's out for two months. Yeah, he's out for a while. Um, so uh, Juve scores, what, 10 seconds into the game or two minutes into the game? Um, and then just sits back in their, in their 5-4-1 and just... I mean, Villarreal came at him in the second half, but it was a fun game. Uh, Atletico Madrid, Manchester United. Another kind of exciting game that that kind of relies on, like, one one brilliant moment from Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. The stars got to show up. To tie the game. Yeah, Ronaldo did not really play all that well. I was not really playing well for... Mm. It's different playing in England than, like, other leagues in the world because everybody's competitive... In England, yeah. everybody, like yeah. down to Watford, like everybody's competitive. Like it, 
in Italy, you can get away with scoring against a team that's going to get relegated yeah. and scoring three goals. Like, that doesn't happen. I'd be interested to see how many players scored a hat trick this year in the Premier League. Maybe yeah. one, right? Yeah. Um, and then Benfica and Ajax. So, Ajax, Ajax. That was a fun game. 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. It's an exciting game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the 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 it's it's gonna it leaves it really wide open. I mean, all the games were really have been decided. The I mean, there's a lot of out of the eight games that were played, um, half of them were ties. There's no away goals. There's no away goals, and really, and and only, and I mean, the PSG Real Madrid was only decided by one goal. Liverpool, Inter, and Chelsea, Lille are decided by two goals. Um, only, and then obviously City beating Sporting five nothing. But um, City's are City's bringing in their FA Cup squad. Yeah, um, yeah. Yo, we might see. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Scott Carson. He, he. Now Zach Steffen will get minutes though. Hopefully, he's still hurt. Who? Zach Steffen. I don't think so. I thought he was back. He's still hurt. Is he? Oh, well, then Carson might get the might might get the call up, man. <laughs> Wait the last twenty minutes. I I'd bring him in. He'll be that fish sub. You're right. He is. He is still hurt. Yeah. So never mind. Uh, yeah, Scott Carson, you're in, son. Um. All right. Because uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see young Cole Palmer play for City, but he's hurt as well because he was he scored a great goal in their group stage. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the round of. The, the first half of the round of 16, the, the weird round of 32 slash not really 32. It's six, the, the first the first round of 16 um, for Europa League ended. Um, so going through is Atalanta, uh, Porto beating Lazio, which was, that was a little bit of an upset. Sevilla going through even though they lost. Um, <laughs> Leipzig uh, going through beating Real Sociedad. Sheriff. Oh man, Sheriff knocked out in PKs. Uh, Tough man. Barcelona coming up big against Napoli. Um, said Barcelona's back. Just kidding. And then uh, Dortmund obviously did not was not able to uh, bring the upset back. So they tied two to two to Rangers. So the Rangers is through, and then Betis and Zenit, uh, Betis is, is through. So we get we get the new the new round of sixteen. The second round of sixteen is announced. Um, so Porto against Lyon, Sevilla against West Ham, uh, Barcelona against Galatasaray. I think that's gonna be a fun game. Uh, Braga against Monaco, Betis against uh, Frankfurt. Leipzig against Moscow, Rangers against uh, Red Star, and then Atalanta against Leverkusen. Uh, funny because I think there's, I think one of the forwards from Canada is on Galatasaray, if I'm not mistaken. On Galatasaray? Uh, I, maybe. Let's see. Maybe. I, mean, I, I, can, I can probably. Uh, so, Serginia Dest is going to have nightmares again. <laughs> um. Maybe. Mohammed Mustafa Mohammed is the is their forward. 
Is Kyle Lauer not on Galatasaray? Mm, no. No. Maybe he plays somewhere else in Turkey. Yeah. Maybe he plays for Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce. With uh with Ozil and Mezut. Mezut. Um so yeah, so that all those those all get played. Um all those matches for the Europa League. Um we got Americans in the Europa League too, man. Yeah, we got Americans everywhere. Uh all that stuff will happen uh interestingly enough, uh on Wednesday, March 9th. Two of the games start on Wednesday. So not just Thursday. Um so all right. Uh player of the match. Um my player of the match goes out to <laughs> trying to frame this in a soccer standpoint, from a soccer standpoint, not not to not to undermine or minimize the situations that are happening in, in Ukraine and Russia and all that other stuff. Um, but focusing on the soccer part of it, um, player of the match goes out to all the all the players that are playing internationally in Ukraine. Um, so the, the Ukrainian league has been suspended. Um, but a lot of those players are somewhat stuck and, and really don't, don't really have a way out. Um, so it's been difficult. Um, so player of the match goes out to all those international players playing in Ukraine. Cause that's a tough situation to be in right now. Yeah. Again, not to minimize everything else that's going on. Just kind of, kind of pinpointing specifically soccer players. Um, uh, your player of the match. Player of the match goes to the greatest manager in the Premier League, uh, Patrick Vieira. Um, Crystal Palace with a tough, tough loss against Chelsea on Saturday. one nothing. It was a close game. It was very competitive. Bar, you know, was on our side. Almost had the three points. Um, and then just a complete thrashing of Watford, I think, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Just destroyed them. Like four nothing, four one. So it's got those Crystal Palace boys being consistent, and you just watch out. These next couple of weeks, they're going to be stealing points from some very. Uh, trying to make the trying to make the. Um, uh, we just go right underneath you. Conference league, like, uh, just right underneath of that, right? Like just just good enough to get there, but we don't want to be there. It's too many <laughs> matches, not a big enough squad. <laughs> Ain't got that travel budget. You know, that travel budget, especially <laughs> when we have all these players on loan. Like when Crystal Palace played Chelsea, they couldn't have one of their best players yeah. plays for Chelsea. Yeah. So. All right. Um, on this day in soccer history, uh, February twenty fifth, twenty sixteen, there was a player debut. Without without reading it, because I know you have it in front of you. Did you already read it? I already read it. Oh, so okay. All right, never mind. All right. Well, <laughs> um, um, uh, eighteen-year-old Mar- Marcus Rashford makes his debut uh, for Manchester United uh, against FC uh, Midland uh, in the Europa League. Um, and then the only reason why he got in was because uh, Anthony Martial was injured, uh, injured What's or got in, the pre- in the pre-match warm-up. What's uh, so he he gets in, makes his debut, scores two goals. Um, so he becomes the youngest player in Manchester United history to uh, score a goal in the European competition, uh, breaking the record that George Best had set fifty years earlier. And then on top of that, 
three days later, scores two more goals against Arsenal to beat him. What's he done since? Listen, I got to <laughs> It doesn't matter what he's done since. He is one of those players that is able to use his platform for the greater good. He's been yeah. featured on the Fair Play of the Week multiple times, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so hunger campaign. Yeah, so good for Marcus Rashford uh, and his debut. Uh, he got that check early and started doing the work that he wanted. Yeah. His humanitarian work later. Yeah. All right. Later on in his career, even though he's a young 24. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, fair play of the week. Who's your fair play of the week? Uh, my fair play of the week is going to go out to uh, the Shakhtar Donetsk, Donetsk squad. Donetsk. Um, I was reading an article, you know, with everything going on in the world. They haven't played in their home city or home stadium since 2014. Yeah, They've been sharing the stadium. Um, obviously, they're from one of the regions that... Uh, heavily affected. Heavily affected. So they... they uh, it's been tough for them not being able to play in front of their home fans, playing in another arena, training in a different city and things like that. So they're usually a really competitive squad in Europe. Uh, I think they got eliminated earlier this year. Um, unless they're in the conference league. But uh, uh, I don't think so. I think the all the. Um, yeah, I think only the only teams that are the only team that was left was was Moscow, Spartak. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not able to play in Russia for obvious reasons. Right. Um, but no, I think all of the all of the Ukrainian teams, so Dynamo Kiev and uh, and Shakhtar, Shakhtar. Are, are out are out. Yeah. So shout out to them. And then you know they have a lot of Brazilian players, and Brazilian players are asking for help for the government to get them back to Brazil. So yep. Um. My favorite play of the week goes out to the U.S. Women's National Team for not only winning the She Believes Cup, Kat Macario scoring two goals in the last game, um, but also because the, the lawsuit has been settled. Um, and I think there's, I think the, the conversation is probably a lot deeper, and I don't have enough knowledge to, to, um, I guess voice and opinion towards it one way or another, but but I do think that regardless of kind of where you stand on the entire issue or or how you see things, I think that there's it's a it's it's a step in the right direction, um, and that hopefully it continues the conversation for change and it and it changes things for the better. Um, I think U.S. soccer still has a lot of cleaning up to do for a lot of different spaces, but this is hopefully a step in the right direction. Um, so. That's it's good. Trinity Rodman got paid. Yeah. Highest paid player in the NWSL right now. Let's go. Shout out to um, Dennis. Shout out to Dennis, yeah. Um top seventy five player in the who, NBA. Who here's a random thing that I brought up Dennis Rodman. Um somebody that I used to go to school with in like college is a doctor or residency or somewhere. I think she's doing something in New York or something. Dennis Rodman was in the cafeteria of the hospital, just kind of hanging out. She took a picture with him. Yeah, Dennis Rodman does a lot of things, uh, interesting things. Yeah. It's just uh, interesting that his kid is like 
a soccer player was the top pick and it's one of the faces for the U.S. Player. soccer team. Yeah, that's right. like that's like the most randomest like yeah. Dennis Rodman yeah, thing ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. Well, make sure you follow us on social media: facebook.com slash Reunion, on Instagram Del Reunion Soccer, on Twitter at D Union Soccer. Like and subscribe to the podcast at D Soccer Podcast, D E Soccer Podcast. Follow the Diamonds at D E Union Diamonds on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, important announcements coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, for both diamonds and Delaware Union in general, so more to come on that. Um, that we will we will announce here on the podcast. Um, so, uh, Dwayne, I'm gonna we're gonna have to figure it out next week, man. Uh, this will be a conversation off the podcast, I think. But uh, next week, I'm in I'm in the middle of my coaching course, so I don't know. We'll have to figure out exactly how the recording will work. I mean, you could bring in some guests. Uh, that'd be cool. Maybe, maybe. May have to do some night recordings, though. I don't yeah. think my instructors would be very keen of me being like, hey, before we leave, do you mind if I uh, record our podcast? Uh, yeah, it can be a guest. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that'll happen. That'll all happen uh, next week. So, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>